What's that? A wild SSR appears? Connor, what's going on? We have some experimental uh, data coming through. We're going to just run through it, see what see what we're cooking up. It's an off week, though. Well, uh, the news sleeps for no one. That's right. We're trying something new, everybody. Uh, so to, to explain, to explain ourselves, hi, I'm your host, Dustin, and with me is Connor, as always. Yep, hi. We have been talking a lot about the show, uh, and don't worry, the show itself is not changing. You're still going to get a mainline SSR every two weeks, like clockwork, like we've been doing for well, almost a year now, which I'm insanely proud of, by the way. We've been killing it. Uh, but we wanted to we wanted to try to get an episode out on the feed every week, because we, we kind of feel like maybe two every two weeks isn't enough, so we thought, what's a way we can get out episodes on the off weeks that are simple that don't require that much editing so we thought well why don't we do a more uh let's call it standard video game podcast so every two weeks we'll talk about what we've been playing that isn't related to the mainline episodes of ssr because we play a lot uh and we'll cover news that's interesting to us and then do sort of a big topic at least that's the idea Uh, this this we're considering an experiment so if it doesn't work out you know, we'll change it around. We could do something new with it, but but the idea is to help get more episodes out on the feed more frequently. Yeah, and if you have feedback for this kind of weird format or just want to talk, you can always hit us up on the Twitter at Save Station Pod. Um, let us know what you think. Always open ears. Yes, of course. So on this episode, which we are tentatively calling what Save Station Report trying to run with the SSR theme uh, names. So, you know, again, that could change too. We have no idea. This is, uh, you're listening to, you're beta testing a product for us. It's called that. But on this week's episode, we'll talk about the games we've been playing, of course. We'll cover some news, talk about some cool games getting release dates, some some more problems over at CG Project Red. And then, later on in the episode... We're going to have a big old discussion about 3D platformers in 2021 because this is a product that I am producing, so we must talk about 3D platformers. Fight me. <laughs> so, Connor, what you been playing? Well, I've been sort of in between games. Uh, just finished up a part-time UFO on Switch. I picked it up because I was in between games, and it's super short but super charming. Um I believe it was made by Hal, but it's pretty, you know, it's short and sweet. It's knows what it wants to do and doesn't overstay its welcome. Uh, definitely a recommendation over here. It uh, looks I also, really adorable. I've, I really wanted to play this one. I just haven't gotten around to it. Yeah, and I believe it's the same team that did uh, Box Boy, those games that were on 3DS and then now Switch. Uh, I didn't research it really but i believe that mainly because there's like a ton of box boy references in this game that checks out but yeah uh super charming it's only like what nine dollars eight nine dollars on the eShop, so pretty good um the other big game i've been playing though that i just am about halfway through now is twilight princess hd i know i'm running a little bit of a risk playing the wii u version when there's a high likely chance that it'll come at come to switch yeah you're within really the next year fire there but hey i've never played it figured why not because uh, i'm actually we are weak you will buy that switch version 
Yeah, I know, but... (laughs) You will not resist it, so when you told me you were playing this, I'm like, ooh. (laughs) But, I mean, I'm actually quite enjoying, enjoying it. I knew from the outset that it was going to be very similar to Ocarina of Time, which, if you know me, I am not a big fan of Ocarina of Time. I genuinely believe that Majora's Mask is the better of the two games, uh, Majora's Mask being one of my favorites and Ocarina of Time being my least favorite. Well, not least favorite, but that's a whole other thing. Yeah, I was going to say, that's so a knowing that, statement. Like, we disagree <laughs> on that game, but I know we don't disagree that much. Yeah, uh, so knowing that going into Twilight Princess, I'm actually genuinely surprised on how much I'm liking it. I'm actually, I mean, yeah, I'm only about halfway through, but I'm enjoying it more than I did playing the Wind Waker HD, which is also a bold statement, but uh, impressions are pretty good so far. Yeah, I I love Twilight Princess. I think that's a game that gets a lot of unfair hate. Uh, I think there's a lot of, you know, I kind of get it at the time because Windbreaker was before that and Windbreaker is such a striking art style to go from that to Twilight Princess yeah I get it but I don't know I think that game holds up really nicely honestly yeah well and I like its art style a lot more than I thought I would I thought it'd be really off-putting but I'm actually really into its weird aesthetic um, oh yeah it helps that I'm playing the HD version which cuts down on the heavy bloom effects and sharpens up the models and whatnot but I mean it still still holds up pretty well i think it looks pretty great oh no that's a game that i genuinely believe when people talk about it that that like they don't know what they're talking about like they've never seen it when they say it's ugly because like that game no is it's actually it's super charming nice i mean it's a gamecube game so obviously you're you know dealing with something that's old but i don't know there's, I, there's a... I also love the gamecube aesthetic though so yeah and that game's just weird i think it's weirder than people realize so what have you been playing recently? Oh man, a lot. <laughs> a lot of little things. Um, I guess we'll start off something I, I barely touched since we were doing this. I knew we were doing this last night. I decided, well, I have Control Ultimate Edition from PS Plus for PS5, so I'll dive into that real quick. Uh, so I played about an hour of it or so last night, just to the intro. Uh, that game is amazing, <laughs> um, if you didn't play it. Uh, really nice to play a version of that game that runs properly. <laughs> I think anybody who played the PS4 version in 2019 knows what I'm talking about. That game read like garbage. Playing this that's one the, feels so much better at I 60. Played. Yeah. It feels really good at 60. It's like it's meant to be. I will say I am pretty disappointed in the fact that you this game still has a graphics and performance setting. Um, I get why. It's just one of those things where I'm like, I just want both. Because the performance setting runs at 30, and it just, it doesn't work for me. Like, I think I've hit the point where I'm like, no, I need 60. <laughs> like, You're a real uh, graphic snob now. Yeah, well, it's the opposite. I'm a, I'm a performance snob, right? Like, <laughs> I think the 30 frames a second just looks jittery. And I don't know if it's this game, or like I said, I've just become accustomed playing everything on PS5 and my computer, just used to higher frame rates now. I don't know, but it doesn't look good in motion which is a shame because the ray tracing looks fantastic uh but the six but turning on performance mode um disables ray tracing and that is immediately noticeable and a pretty big bummer Uh, well hey if it runs at a consistent 30 i think it's already leaps and bounds ahead of the ps4 version so yeah and i I, i'm pretty confident saying it does I, i skimmed through a digital foundry video earlier and it seems like it does um 
But speaking of, the game where I actually realized this wasn't Control, it was Rise of the Tomb Raider, which I went back to this week uh, and finished the story. That game, it's the PS4 game, so it's not optimized for PS5. Um, I guess I could have played the PC version, but I had it for free on PS5, so I was like, I'm just going to play it here. I originally played it on Xbox One way back when it came out, and it was an exclusive there. Uh, do you remember that? <laughs> People were so mad. I vaguely remember that, yeah. Um, that's a good game. I I enjoy it. It's I think it is the weakest of the Tomb Raiders of the modern trilogy, personally, but I, I had fun revisiting it. Its story is almost nonsensical. <laughs> it's the places it goes are wild, but um, there's a lot of things I enjoy about it. I really like the gameplay in those games, like just the feel of the third-person shooting. It's got this really accessible flow to it. Um, like, well, it'll do stuff like, like I guess Last of Us One did this too, where like you don't press a button to crouch to get into cover; she'll just do it automatically, and it just it feels very accessible. Like you can immediately jump in and start being a badass, and so that's cool. Uh, very much enjoyed that playthrough. Good bow, good bow and arrow in that game. Um, now, for those of us that don't really know how the series pans out, what would be the... Is this the second one in the trilogy? This is the second one, yes. Sorry, the naming conventions of these games are wild, because it's Tomb Raider 2013, Rise of the Tomb Raider, Shadow of the Tomb Raider. So yeah, you would not know if you were just looking at the titles. Okay, so this is the second one. This is the second game in the series, yeah. Um, this series has the problem for me where... It's the it's very much a issue I have in a lot of fiction actually, where the entries are related to each other, but they just drop random characters or story elements that were important in the last one. Like in the first game, she's with a whole group of friends she's rescuing, and in this game, like one of them returns, and the other ones barely get referenced at all. And that that's just the kind of thing that annoys me in fiction. I hate it when series do that. Like I want to I want a consistency, you know. Like I want a through line that's important to me. Um, and so. So, yeah, but but it is a fun game, and if you did get it for free on PS Plus, uh, it, it's definitely worth playing. Also, Shadow of the Tomb Raider was free, too, not that long ago, so you might have them all if you've been grabbing those games. Uh, it's a good time. I you know I, I also want to shout out, um, I believe her name is Camila Luddington, the actress for Lara Croft. She's great. I love her. If they do more of those games, definitely bring her back. Yeah, I still need um, to give those a try. I have the first one sitting on my computer, and like you said, I think I have the other two through PlayStation, so yes. maybe someday. <laughs> and the first one, honestly, I think is still my favorite. Uh, though, actually, replaying this one made me realize how much I loved a lot of the elements of Shadow of the Tomb Raider. So maybe it's that one. I don't know. Um, Where should I go next? You You see the list of my games. I've got a smattering here. <laughs> Um, let's keep this PlayStation 5 train rolling. Oh, you want to talk about Assassin's Creed then? Yes. Um, real quick, audience, my dog is begging at my door, so I'm going to let her in. Ooh, we get dog podcast. If you follow Dustin on Twitter, at DustinHDragon, you get to see good pictures of this dog. This is a pretty good dog. All right, that's the other thing with these new podcasts. I won't be editing them so much, so you'll hear things like dogs and other humans in the houses. So, just a heads up on that. Anyway, Assassin's Creed Valhalla. 
Man, I am split on this game. Uh, it is... I'm in a... I'm kind of bummed, honestly. I've really enjoyed the recent Assassin's Creed games. Um, they... In 2017, they kind of switched the formula and went to more of a traditional RPG... Like, big, open RPG where you're leveling up and you get all these side quests and... They're a lot longer. They became, like, 100-hour games and... Yada, yada, yada. You get it. Um, this one... It is, like... I guess where I'll start is, like... It is the buggiest Assassin's Creed game I've played in a long time. <laughs> it's honestly pretty rough. Uh, later into the game, I have got lots of moments where characters' lip-syncing just breaks. Where, like, it's just out of out of motion. It doesn't make sense. Um, I went to an area in the game where literally none of the characters had lip-syncing at all. So they just stood there with their mouths closed while they were talking to me. Which is just, like, <laughs> nails on a chalkboard. <laughs> Hated it. Oh, we're back in the PS1 era. <laughs> yeah, it's awful. Uh, nah, so, Spyro and PS1 had better lip-syncing than that. Yeah, man, it's it's kind of rough. Uh, I just had weird moments where I feel like... I just feel like the game will break sometimes. Um, the game does side quests differently, and I think worse, ultimately. it um, They're now called, like... They're now these like little world events, and they're like kind of mini stories, which is a neat idea. The issue is though they don't log, like you don't have a log of them like you would side quest, you know. They just kind of happen, and so a character, you know, you might run up to some character who's like, "I need you to get into this building," but then the side quest doesn't give you a wave point. So, if you're not paying attention 100%, you might not realize where to go. So, like, there's little things like that that are just getting on my nerves. But, like, that compounds with the bugginess of the game where sometimes I will think, like, it, did I, am I just being an idiot and did I not just listen to this guy enough? Or is the quest broken and now I can't proceed with this little side quest? So it's, like, stuff like that that's just been really getting on my nerves. Um, and, you know, those side quests aren't necessarily required to beat the game or anything, but just having enough of those is just really... It's put me off of doing them, which is a shame because that's honestly where some of the most entertaining writing has come from so far. Um... And t to be honest, um, one of the things that's really bugging me is I have enjoyed 100%ing uh, the last couple of Assassin's Creed games. I have the Platinums in them. This one is so monotonous. This is the kind of game where, like, when people complain about open world games and them getting, you know, samey, this game is, like, the poster child for that. Like, literally every open world quest or thing you can do is almost the exact same thing. All the collectibles are, like behind this sort of style of mini puzzle they do where there's there'll be like a rock wall that you can explode and then um you need to find a bomb to do that so you have to go searching around for these bombs and i'm so sick of looking for these bombs dude i must have found a hundred of these collectibles all the same way find rock wall okay now look around the environment for a bomb that i can carry to the rock wall explode the rock wall pick up the item and it's just it's just kind of bummed me out because i'm like i don't want to do this anymore and that's the traditionally the kind of thing i've actually enjoyed playing these games doing and it's really just it's like mind-numbing at a certain point so i i'm kind of just hitting the point in this game where i don't know if i'll finish it which really sucks i don't know i enjoy the viking theme but i don't know just not having just seems it like a structural issue just gets very yeah it's also very monotonous again maybe this is me i think it is a bad stealth game which is insane because it's an Assassin's Creed game, but the system just doesn't work. Um, though I will say, thankfully, 
this game has great accessibility difficulty options and they separate stealth from combat in terms of difficulty so i mitigated it by turning the stealth to easy which you know kind of half fixes the problem because then i'm still not getting satisfying stealth experience but at least guards aren't spotting me right away which was what was happening to me before and it was just not satisfying but it's not frustrating no, and it's the kind of thing where I am just so overleveled for whatever I'm doing that it really doesn't matter. Like, getting onto open combat is not a big deal. I can kill 100 dudes, whatever. But I want the stealth experience. It's an Assassin's Creed game. I want to feel cool. I want to use my hidden blade, you know? So, like, that stuff not being good is... It just sucks. Um, you know, I don't know. The main story I'm finding interesting... Uh, the places it's bringing me, the characters I'm meeting, but, like, all the stuff in between is just kind of, eh. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, that's my Assassin's Creed experience so far. And I'm, like, 80 hours in. Like, I'm I'm, I'm deep in this game. <laughs> Goodness. Yeah. Um, you want to move to a more positive note? Talk about a couple of these games you're enjoying? Yeah, I played through Mario 3D Land on 3DS in anticipation for uh, Mario 3D World, which as of recording comes out tomorrow. Once you guys hear this, it'll have been out the day before. Um, I haven't revisited this game since it was new, since it came out. I loved it at the time. I think revisiting it has made me realize just how new Super Mario Bros. it is. Um, aesthetically, I do find it kind of boring, but it's a very fun game. And if you're craving a 3D Mario experience on the go that isn't Mario 64 DS, I, I recommend it. It's fun. It just it's just a little bland visually, which I, I think is kind of a shame when Mario games do that. But it is a fun time. It's really easy. You can beat it in a couple hours. Um, it has a thing where like you beat the first eight worlds and the second eight worlds unlocks, and that second eight worlds are harder versions of the first eight worlds. Um, but even those harder versions, I'd say, are fairly simple and easy. Nothing. Yeah, I played this game trouble. not too long ago, and it was... I mean, I did beat it in, like, around maybe three hours, and that. but I did stop it just after the first eight worlds, um, mainly because I was like, ah, I'm good, I'm <laughs> moving on to some other things, but I definitely will uh, sort of corroborate that claim that it's very... It's very samey. It's very safe in its visuals. Like, if you kind of picture the stereotypical Mario aesthetic, it's very much that. Um, yep. It doesn't really do much to differentiate itself from that. But, you know, for a early 3DS title that's uh, sort of testing out this new 2.5D Mario style, I find it it's it's pretty good. And we should clarify, it is an obstacle course-based game. Like, it's not like a Mario 64 or Sunshine or Odyssey where you're exploring a world, it is, like, start a level, get to the end. Um, yeah, your comparison to New Super Mario Brothers is very... is kind of right on the nose. It's very much what it's like. Yeah, the only real downside, I would say, to it, uh, once you get into those final eight worlds... Well, I guess it this happens in the other worlds, but it's so easy that it's barely noticeable. Um, they start gating levels behind star coins, which are collectibles in the world, so there are three in each um, level. And towards the end of that game, you basically have to get them all. So if you're not collecting them as you go, it can make the end of that game kind of a slog because you have to return to earlier levels and find them, um, which did happen to me a little bit towards the end. So just be wary of that. If you want to play it to completion, you're going to have to get all those 
Get all those coins. Also, if you're going to play it to completion completion, you have to get every gold flagpole and play the game entirely twice. So, Oh, yeah. Don't do that. <laughs> don't, don't do that. Don't do um, that. It's weird, though, having experienced that after playing uh, Super Princess Peach on the DS, there's a lot of similarities between them, which is weird. Really? Namely in its structure, because Super Princess Peach also has this sort of... I mean, it's it's a 2D platformer for starters, but there's three hidden toads that you can collect in each level and you're like okay cool it's an added collectible whatever i'll do the ones that i can find but not go out of my way but to get to the final boss you actually need to collect every toad in every level (laughs) and then also once you beat that final boss like essentially the second half of the game unlocks and just like 3d land that's where i stopped playing (laughs) because i was done yeah, I it's it's that classic collectathon design problem of like cool, put all these collectibles on here. Cool, use them to get off areas. Don't make me get every single one. Allow me to skip some. Like And that's why I love games like Mario Odyssey where they're like, yeah, you could there's like 800 of these, but you only need like less than 100. You're fine. Yeah, totally. Or, you know, Spyro, I think he's good at that. Um there's 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 an endless number of good design decisions that can be done with stuff like that. Um, you know, but then there's stuff that does it poorly. Um, you know, we reviewed like Anodyne last year, right? And that's a game that like has you collect a bunch of cards to get to the final boss. And what, there's only one you can miss in that game, which is just like annoying. Uh, it's just, it's just a design thing. You know, if any of you are game designers and want to listen to our dumbasses. Well, um, and we have tons and tons of, platformer knowledge that we could pull on on good and bad examples such are the people that do this show apparently yeah um i i'm happy to be known as the 3d platformer guy <laughs> uh let's let's uh let's do river city girls since i didn't play too much of that um i have my brother over looking for a fun game to play together uh i had downloaded river city girls onto my xbox one because i have it was part of Game Pass because I've always wanted to play it. It's got a really cool aesthetic that I really like. It kind of reminds me of like it's got that same bright like like it looks like if you remember. I don't think you were ever into this like I was, but like there there used to be this thing in like scene the scene circle like a lot of pop punk and um, metalcore stuff would have these like really graphic T-shirts, but they were super colorful and bright and cartoony. They'd always have this like disgusting monster on them, you know. But they were super yes, bright. Yes, yes, I do remember those. Yes. Fucking bring those back, please. Uh, but, like, River City Girls totally gives gives off that kind of aesthetic and feel. Um, as does something like Sunset Overdrive, by the way, which is why I also like that game a lot. And it's it's got that sort of attitude, that sort of, like, uh, like 2008 to 2014 uh, kind of feel. Like it, like it belongs, like... Like, the River City Girls would be playing a show at Warp Tour, you know? <laughs> Which is yeah, yeah, totally that's kind of my aesthetic. aesthetic. I love it. It it rules. Um, so I, I love the look of it, but I, I've never really been into the beat-em-up style, that classic, like, like it's a 2D game, but you have multiple planes of action, and there's constantly dudes running at you, and you have to beat them up. That's just never looked like it would have appealed to me. So it was honestly a shock playing this game and really like how much I enjoyed it, how much I enjoyed unlocking new moves, and... Uh, mastering the combat it was really fun and i really want to get back to it hopefully my brother comes back soon and we can play again but yeah also the writing is super cute um i think it's got a really lot of fun 
fun, a lot of fun moments in what we played so far. Um, some of the cutscenes have this really fun, like black and white comic book aesthetic. Big fan so far. Uh, hopefully, I have more to report on that next time. Yeah, I've played some of this game with my sibling, and uh, we had a, we had a lot of fun with this one. Um, we also played a lot of the uh, Scott Pilgrim game as kids. We had it on my Xbox 360, um, and it shares a lot of similarities. I think River City Girls does with the Scott Pilgrim game, uh, specifically in like aesthetic and gameplay styles and whatnot. So, I mean, if you're a fan of the Scott Pilgrim game, River City Girls is a great option. Vice versa. Um, it's a good thing that the Scott Pilgrim game just got re-released because otherwise that would be a tricky recommendation, but yeah, uh, some good beat-em-ups out there. Yeah, and I know Streets of Rage 4 came out a couple months ago and people really dug that one too, so, you know, it seems like it's a, it's a renaissance of those games, so maybe I'll get super into beat-em-ups, who knows. Uh, I played a little bit of Sonic Colors DS. <laughs> Look about yes. this random selection of games I played. <laughs> Just a smattering of games. It really is. Uh, really like it so far. It's so. I have heard and now experiencing it. Totally agree. It is uh, Sonic Rush Three. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it is literally that game. Uh, but with a Sonic Colors aesthetic slapped on top of it. Uh, so it and is some better a mechanics. Side scroller. <laughs> Sonic's in 3D, but the game's side-scroller. Um, it's got the boost mechanic, holding the button, you boost across the screen. It's got the dual-screen mechanic where you fly to the top of the screen, suddenly he's on the top screen, go down below, he's on the bottom screen. All that good shit. Um, yeah, I haven't played... I've played about two worlds. I don't know. I, I like it. I don't have a lot to say about it, honestly. It's just, it's just a fun Sonic game. Yeah, this was the only... This and Advance 2 were the only handheld sonic games i played as a kid um we both have since played uh generations 3ds which is also very um tries to borrow that style as well but yeah i mean i loved this game as a kid and i still think it holds up pretty well yeah and i played rush one a ton like sonic rush one is one of my all-time favorite ds games it's one that unfortunately i don't have my copy of anymore and i really want to find again um but but yeah, I, I'm really enjoying Colors so far. It's totally giving me that hit of nostalgia. I will say the one bummer I have, the one uh, thing that I think sucks about it, is Rush has such a aesthetic and feel to it. Like a cool, like fast, you know, it's got, like the music's awesome, like it's got a weird trick system. It's just got this attitude that like Colors does not have and the Colors aesthetic is different. And I do think that I'm a little bummed it doesn't have that. But that's expectations I'm bringing into it. Um, well, and also, the Rush games had the Hideki Naganuma do the score. He also did the um, the Jet Set Radio soundtrack. <laughs> um, so it doesn't it doesn't quite have that same feel that he would bring no. to it. But no, you know, you can I, always go listen to the Rush music. That's great. Yeah, that music is fantastic, and the DS version's music is it's it. I haven't played Colors in a very long time, but it. It seems like just the color soundtrack in shittier quality, so it's like, okay. Um, the last game I played was The Conduit on Wii. Ah, uh, yes, The Halo Killer. The Halo Killer. Um, this was a pickup at our, we, we every, every couple months or so, we go to a used game store together and grab a bunch of stuff. This was something I just picked off the shelf, it was only a couple dollars. 
Um, I had heard nice things about it in the past. I remember way back in the day, like, I was probably listening to, like, I was listening to a ton of IGN podcasts, and um, they typed that thing up a lot. <laughs> so it's kind of always been a curiosity to me um, since I was pretty little. By the way, those podcasts, way too young to listen to those. I went back <laughs> just because of this, and I was like, oh, I'm gonna, it, it was very nostalgic. Um, they are shitty. <laughs> They're shitty podcasts, <laughs> but I had fun listening to it. But man, um, they were talking about adult shit. <laughs> like, huh? All right. Yeah, it was uh, wild. Um, that's probably why I liked him, honestly. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, the conduit. It's 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 a fun time. Honestly, I had a pretty pretty fun time with it. It is unfortunately motion control only, <laughs> so. You know, um, if you're not a fan of that, then <laughs> uh, that sucks. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, that that stuff has just never clicked with me. Um, I think the its biggest problem is the melee is on the Wiimote like waggle. So when you're oh, fucking yes. trying to shoot a gun and you need to melee, your screen just shakes all over the place and it's becomes hard to look at. Um, and then occasionally I'd accidentally throw a grenade because that waggling the nunchuck would throw a grenade. So if I shook my hand a little too much. Just toss a grenade, which sometimes wasn't great. Um, that game has a weird accessibility option, actually, that I kind of wish modern games had, that I wanted to call out. In the options, you can adjust your movement speed. Okay. Which is cool, and I think they did that so people wouldn't get sick. Um, like, the default speed is, like, at 80%. I think I turned it up to 100 because I found it very slow. <laughs> uh, yeah. But, but, yeah, I just thought that was interesting. I, I haven't seen a game do that. Um, yeah, I don't, it's a, it's a fun game. It's very, I'm going to say it's a, what did it come out, like 2009? So it's that era of shooter that isn't a Call of Duty or Halo game, which means that, like, you will be seeing a lot of the same hallway, <laughs> you know? Yep, just a regular corridor shooter that just goes on and on. Yeah, totally. It definitely has that vibe, um... So just ahead some on that. The story is wonderfully cheesy. <laughs> I will give it a shout out. It's fun. I think the main character's name is something to the tune of Michael Ford, <laughs> which is a wonderfully generic action hero name. Big fan of that. Um, the voice acting is all over the top. I I quite enjoyed all that. Um, and the weapons are fun. But but yeah, I, I wouldn't say anything too special. Like if I, I would say that you know you don't need to go run out and find a copy, but like. I had a good time. If you're looking for an interesting older shooter. Or just a weird Wii game. Yeah. If you're a crazy person like I am. Yeah, totally. Um, Anything else you want to mention? Um, Nope, I think that's, about, that's pretty much what we've been playing recently. Alright, let's talk about some current events. Um, I guess we'll save Crash Bandicoot since it'll be relevant in a couple minutes. Let's talk CDPR. Uh, CD Projects Red, they they got hacked, unfortunately. Um, it was a targeted a targeted attack. And by the way, I got this news from their Twitter. Um, it, it was uh, a ransomware. Um, the hacker um, basically left a bunch of demands. Uh, CDPR said they would not give in to their demands. And so uh, CDPR, CDPR also clarified and said, no customer data was lost in this hack. 
but it is important to note that the source code is part of this hack and so is billing information for their uh, employees which is super shitty um, and you know I don't I, neither of us are super educated on stuff like this you know I'm a, a, I'll speak for you on that <laughs> sorry if you want to <laughs> yeah I'm not um, but I I will say fuck you don't do this to people <laughs> like, like be a human you know like don't leak people's personal data um, you know um, the and I wonder if you wouldn't mind would you do a dramatic reading of because they also posted the ransom note along with the thing it's in the link on the doc um you want me to do a dramatic reading yes of this do a dramatic note? reading of it so we can hear how stupid this moron sounds should I include the 19 explanation points or the <laughs> uh, you know, I'll leave that up to you this is hello CD project you have been epically pwned we have dumped full copies of the source codes from your pre-force server for Cyberpunk 2077, Witcher 3, Richard, Witcher 3, Gwent, and the unreleased virgin, version of Witcher 3. We have also dumped all of your documents relating to accounting, administration, legal, HR, investor relations, and more. Also, we have encrypted all of your servers, but we understand that you can likely recover from backups. It's <laughs> my favorite part. <laughs> great threat we encrypted it but you you're you're fine with that one (laughs) but we know this does nothing if we will not come to an agreement then your source codes will be sold or leaked online and your documents will be sent to our contacts in gaming journalism also good luck with that one um Good luck finding someone who gives a shit. Run that. Your public um, image will go down the shitter even more and people will see how shitty your company functions. Investors will lose trust in your company and the stock will dive even lower. You have 48 hours to contact us. Yeah. This is what? also all in a notepad document. Yeah, what a I shitty edgelord, love. man. <laughs> like, I, I wanted to bring this up because I wanted to, like, because I saw a lot of dumb jokes going around this because obviously cyberpunk we all know what happened there right it it sucks you know i i'm not thrilled with how that game came out i don't think anybody is that being said it's a fucking video game leaking people's personal data um you know it says employee billing reports and stuff like that my concern with that is like that'll include people's addresses and people on the internet are super fucking scary so the reason I wanted to bring that up is say, hey, be fucking cool. Uh, don't be a dickhead. <laughs> Calm down. Don't force somebody to move because you were upset you wasted fucking $60 or whatever. It's $60. Like, that sucks. On a game you pre-ordered not knowing fully about. Like, come on. And also a game that, like, literally every platform and retailer was like, you can return it for literally no, <laughs> like, we don't care. Return it. So I, I just, it just, like, baffles my mind. It's just, I think it's super shitty. It's very unhuman like like i just i i I cannot get in the mind space of somebody who does stuff like this um so yeah just be cool (laughs) i don't know don't treat people like shit even if you feel fucked over it's a fucking entertainment product sorry get over it life sucks sometimes (laughs) um anyway more positive news there might potentially be a new halo game coming our way something unannounced uh i thought this is super this is just a fun little thing um it's it's based off of a microsoft job listing so you know sometimes these rumors just 
I don't don't let your expectations get out of whack. Um, sometimes these things end up being nothing. But I just thought this would be interesting to look into. Uh, three four three is looking for a new producer to uh, quote help to develop a new project in the Halo universe. By the way, this is all via IGN. Um, and then uh, they mentioned in their article a deleted Twitter post from last year that suggested there were two other Halo games in development: Halo Wars three and a spinoff of Halo five with uh, Fireteam Osiris. So, I don't know, that deleted Twitter post, the fact that it is deleted, actually gives me a lot more faith in this rumor, you know? Like, it's one of those things where, like, oh, if you had to take that down, there's probably at least some truth to it. Um, and Halo Wars 3 makes a lot of sense. Yeah, honestly, of that sort of leak there, or just rumor, Halo Wars 3 sounds very plausible. I feel like Halo Wars 2 was you know, fairly well received and if they're fleshing out the universe maybe um leading up to Infinite or just sort of surrounding Infinite. I know Halo Infinite has a lot of story ties to Halo Wars two as well. Yep. I feel like that makes a lot of sense. The Halo five Fire Team Osiris also maybe like if they go sort of the ODST route, but yeah. that one seems a little less likely to me. Yeah, I agree. And like that one's kind of rough because nobody liked Fireteam Osiris. <laughs> like Exactly. That's why I'm a little skeptical about that. Yeah. Um, I would, I mean, Plus I would love, the... I'm a big Halo fan, so I'm into like more first person shooters, you know, more mainline. Yeah. It also just seems weird it, that but... they would have to push infinite back due to just like polish and then also have this other entire team working on another shooter. Like, I feel like they would sort of consolidate their, teams a little bit on that but that's purely speculation they could i don't know <laughs> yeah i mean it could also just be like the sequel to halo infinite you know um we talked about um maybe i think it was the last episode we recorded so it's not out yet how teams will you know start ramping up for the next project before the project they're currently working on is out so it's just conceivable this just could be halo 7 you know um but i i think halo wars 3 makes a ton of sense and I would like that because Halo Wars 1 and 2, the only real-time strategy games I've ever played and enjoyed. So I'm down for more Halo Wars. Yeah, I need to get back into those. I They're enjoyed the first one. Uh, very accessible, which is nice. Uh, not game news, but related. I titled this Sonic the Hedgehog 2 gets a release date. That's not actually the new story. <laughs> um, we already knew the release date, but... Did we? I didn't know it. This this was where I found out. Yeah, it's um, a release date of 1997. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> um, yeah, I think most people were like, oh, it's April 8th, 2022. Uh, lots of fun jokes about how Sonic, uh, the first Sonic movie came at the beginning of COVID-19, and this one will come to close it out. <laughs> that would be ideal. Yes. The, I didn't see a lot of people talking about a, a Sonic Tuesday, but... Maybe that's just my obscure Sonic knowledge coming through. You know, I heard uh, somebody big... complaining about that on another podcast. So oh, there you're you not go. The only one. Someone else, someone else beat me to it. Um, the main news here was that it's officially called Sonic the Hedgehog Two. The Shocker. new movie is. I know, right? So, um, I mainly liked the the little uh, announcement clip that they had on on Twitter was where I saw it, but the it has a snippet of the Emerald Hill music from Sonic 2, 
which I thought was a really great touch. And then the logo, the two has tails as tails on the edge of the two. So I thought that was just a nice touch. Yeah. The music in that trailer is great. Um, I, you know, I, I, I enjoyed the first movie quite a bit. I will totally check out the second one. I hope this it's was more wild because Sonic-y. we actually went the morning this came up the night before we had just watched the first movie again. <laughs> yes. Which was the fourth time I had seen it. So, you know, pretty good movie. Yeah, it's fun. Um, it's fun. I wouldn't say it's great. So I'm really hoping this one they get to use a lot more Sonic elements. Because that was my biggest problem with that first movie. Is it really feels like it doesn't have to be Sonic there. It could be any other dumb kid's character, you know. So I, I hope this one feels a lot more related to the games. Um, Another thing that I forgot until someone was pointing it out. Uh, April 8th, 2022 is also the day that into the spider-verse 2 is uh slated to come out yes so a pretty good double feature i think yes hopefully they don't cannibalize each other that's the only thing i'm worried about um though granted we say april 8th 2022 this is a live action movie where production is starting next month so that's not gonna happen (laughs) So, I mean, I never say never. There have been productions that have been doing fine, but we've also heard about a lot of them that haven't. So, you know. Uh, Here's open. Get Tom Cruise on it. He'll straight you out. <laughs> He'll yell at your crewmates. Yeah. Um, I also wanted to briefly, there was rumors, I don't think they were confirmed, that Jason Momoa was going to play Knuckles, which I am all in for. <laughs> oh that my is God, that's perfect so great. casting. Love it. Um and also, Just let him rap. Yeah. I, I, I really want to, um, maybe for a future one of these uh, episodes, I want to take stock of all the video game, movie, and TV that's in development. Because there's a lot, man. <laughs> I feel like... Yeah, I feel like um, the Castlevania show on Netflix really opened the mold to be like, hey, video game movies and TV can be good. <laughs> yeah. Um, I didn't, because it happened last night. We were supposed to record this last night, so some of this news um, we didn't get to. That was that was last night. Um the last of us tv show casted to joe and joel and ellie um also so like well that stuff's happening right now um by the way good casting on those too <laughs> well anything to have pedro pascal in it, it more is fine by me i want to be his friend he seems super cool <laughs> yeah uh, to clarify he's joel not he's not in the sonic movie <laughs> <laughs> let pedro pascal play espio the chameleon <laughs> vector um, the crocodile <laughs> Here's a bummer. Here's a bummer of a story. WB patents the Nemesis system. So, are you aware of the Nemesis system? Because I know you didn't play these games. This is the system from the Shadow of Mordor games. There's yes. two of them, right? Yes. So um, This is where like it would randomly generate orcs that would then show up throughout the game. Maybe it was more than orcs, but... Uh, yes, it was, it was orcs, and the big thing is they would remember you, and there's a hierarchy, like a political hierarchy of them, and you could mess with that hierarchy. So, you could, in the open world, go find one of them, um, and that game had, like, a mind control power, like, mind control them, and have them, like, like, take out the guy above them, right, go assassinate them, or whatever, um, or you could do a battle with one and kill them, you know, quote-unquote kill them, and then they would come back later in the game, and like if you say I don't know killed them by running them into a fire, they'd come back all charred and burnt, um, and be angry at you about it, and reference that event specifically, 
And that might also give them a trait to where, like, say, because you did that, they are now scared of fire. So if you brought, like, fire arrows or whatever into the fight, they would turn tail and run. So, like, it was just this very smart, like, AI system that was very fun to play with. And it's the kind of thing where, like, those games came out and everybody went, holy shit, this is amazing, this is super fun, really cool for an open world game to do. Everybody's going to do this now. Like, we're going to see so many much of this, and since then... We've had Shadow of Mordor, Shadow of War, and nothing else. <laughs> and uh, this story kind of tells us why. WB Games, the publisher, the same Warner Brothers movie studio, uh, they patented the system, uh, meaning it's theirs. And if other developers want to use it, at best, they have to ask and license it, right? <laughs> so it has prevented that from being used in other games. Yeah, um, I don't know how much how far this is going to matter though at the because it seems like and I'm not sure exactly how these patents work, but sometimes a company will patent something like this and then you know, if someone else does something similar but notably distinct in some way, then it's fine. Like patents can be pretty specific in their execution. So I don't know. I feel like if someone, if another developer were to try and do something like this and they were trying to be original in the gamer's eye, you know, like not try to just be derivative of Shadow of War, I feel like that is going to lead to them just being legally distinct anyway. Yeah, you hope so. I think the big thing, though, why this is a big deal and why people are bummed is because you're right. But I think when you have when you have large developers doing this stuff, a lot of lawyers can get involved, and I think that that discourages stuff like this when they see, oh, there's already a patent on this, we could get sued. Um, yeah, for sure. Why not include it? And this is the kind of system that's very complicated and takes a lot of effort from at least what I've read, and so you're probably not going to see it show up in too many indie games, and that's why people are bringing this up. Is like, hey, we're not going to see this in a lot of games because of this, this problematic thing, um, which is a real shame because I want to see other people iterate on it and do some cool stuff with it. Like, this system is what makes those games worth playing, honestly. Those games aren't, like, amazing games on their own. They're fine. They're kind of Assassin's creed so they work. But, like, this system is the fun bit. Um, playing the poli- you know playing politics with the orcs is super cool. So it's just a shame. Um, God, could you imagine a Breath of the Wild game with that yeah, kind of exactly. system? Breath of the Wild, um, what was the other one recently that was like, man, oh, like a GTA like, could you, like, fight crime bosses? That would be, be so insane. Cool. Yeah, I don't, it's just, it's a bummer. Um, just some other details here. Um, the patent says, Nemesis characters, uh, Nemesis forts, social vendettas, and followers in computer games. This is a quote I took, by the way. This is from gamesindustry.biz, um, the article I cited here. Which, by the way, was just an article they cited from IGN, so I probably should have just got back then. I just wanted to use other news sources. <laughs> So, there you go. So, there you go. Follow through. Um, we'll go into effect February 23rd and will last until 2035 because, you know. Um, but, yeah. All right. Some fun news. Um, um, also, also tied with this sort of patenting the thing, the... Oh, yes. I believe there was a either an attempt or it actually went through, but uh, Bloober Team, their recent game with the, the medium... 
they had this cool like split screen mechanic where you'd live in both worlds and then it would show both on the screen um i believe that they patented that sort of mechanic as well yeah not into which, this not into patenting game mechanics um i believe also the quote and this is not i don't have actual like data in front of me <laughs> notes to pull from but i believe they said that they didn't have any plans to use it in the future anyway they just which seems really lame <laughs> like why patent it if you're not even gonna use it yeah totally it's just also it's... they really tried to i don't if this actually went through then this seems wild because the nintendo ds existed <laughs> huh and you look at something like a kingdom hearts 358 over two days which did something very similar where you're playing as both roxas and sora one on one screen one or the other um well 999 nine hours nine persons nine doors did a similar thing as well where you're doing one puzzle as one person and they're on both screens it's like you're not super original with this so why are you trying to patent it now wasn't that a thing back in the day um and i'm super super out of my death here so if anybody wants to correct me later on on twitter dustin h dragon um didn't nintendo patent the d-pad and that's why like the 360 d-pad sucked ass and then that <laughs> that patent expired like like a couple years ago which is why the xbox one controllers have a much better nintendo style d-pad it's also i wouldn't be surprised because yeah i wouldn't be surprised if that was the case yeah i'm pretty sure it is which is plus you know. but nintendo patented the d-pad like millions of years ago with their game and watch uh donkey kong i believe was the one that to use it or game and watch zelda right all right well some happier news ratchet and clank ripped apart finally finally has a release date june 11th and it's not launch window no it is not sony you are fucking insane <laughs> that is six months after launch no it's seven months after launch you do not get to call that launch window <laughs> I'm sorry. It's it's within the first three years of the console. That's launch window. <laughs> Nintendo does that shit too. I'm like, no. No. <laughs> no. Absolutely not. I will not have it. This um, is the launch window of the Xenoblade Chronicles 2 Pro Controller. I don't Therefore, know if launch, launch window is window. a defined term, but to me, that's three months after launch. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, but we got a release date for this game. Yeah, June 11th. I'm super excited. Uh, mostly to mostly it's a new Ratchet and Clank game, which is a series I love, and to have a video game that is actually using the PS5 hardware. <laughs> It'd be nice to have that. Hey, we reviewed Astrobot. <laughs> that's true. That's true. It'd be nice to have a game that's more than 45 minutes. A couple hours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm very excited for this. It looks fantastic as always, but yeah got a couple months to wait um second big release date well depends on how you look at it i think it's fun big deal um crash 4 finally getting ported yay Yay, not a surprise to anybody of course that was going to happen um ps5 xbox series s x and s um and and switch (laughs) so everybody will be able to play crash yay as long as you have a Battle.net account for the PC. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And that, that is not coming at the same time as the other versions. Um, so, yep, they're coming on March 12th. Um, 
PS5 and Xbox Series X versions will run at 4K60. Um, Xbox Series S will be upscaled to 4K. Faster loading times, as you'd expect with SSDs. And the new consoles plus 3D audio, if you can take advantage of that. The three, the faster loading times is going to be huge for trying to complete that game because the big problem is if you miss something and you restart the stage, it has to reload the whole stage. It could take a while. Yeah, totally. So that's that's huge. Yeah, that'll 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 definitely be nice. Um, it'll be a free next gen upgrade, which is, which I mean should be expected, but it's Activision, so I was like, oh, thank you. Um weird price discrepancy between the versions. It'll be $60 for new consoles, but 40 for Switch and PC, which is odd. It's a reverse Switch a reverse Switch tax. I mean, hey, third-party games on Switch, those should cost less. Like I'm for that. That's that's smart. Um well, maybe it's not smart, but like that's consumer friendly considering if you're buying the Switch version of something, you're buying the worst version. The PC version's the one that I'm like, why? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, um but Hey, whatever. Um, I also did some digging. The Switch version will run at 30, which isn't surprising. I was kind of hoping maybe they could squeeze it out, make it 60 like the other versions, but... Eh. I feel like if you do that, then you're going to start limiting on what graphical capabilities you can squeeze out of the Switch. And I think, honestly, if it's going to run like comparable to Insane Trilogy, then that's fine by me. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it'll be fine. Um... I'm sure the PC version will be fantastic, as the PC versions for Spyro and uh, Insane were, were great. And most games on PC, if you have a good PC. Yeah, totally. Um, and this is, to transition into our big topic, um, just as a little little thing here, they also mentioned that this is going to be a big year for Crash. And I wonder what that means. I think well, we've it, had rumors of the sort of like multiplayer focused combat game what is that called wumpa league wumpa league supposedly it's there's been rumors that like the thing is soon there's been rumors that that's canceled it's all over the place um i was just recently informed that there's a crash mobile game coming out there's a crash mobile game if you look at the key art for that game he has two mono teeth like, like and they're very creepy but it Don't looks like, like it. a Subway Surfers game, which I'm okay with. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it looks, it looks fine. You know, Temple Run, that style of mobile game. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I'm sure it'll be littered with microtransactions, but I'll play it for 15 minutes. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's how mobile games work. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's those two things. I wonder, do you think it's Activision? Do you think Crash 5 is this year? No, I don't believe so. I don't I believe honestly, so either, with, but I have to ask because Activision loves to annualize things that are successful. Yes, but I feel like of their recent revivals, I feel like the one to get annualized is Tony Hawk. <laughs> That's I true. I feel like with the sort of time and effort put into not only just Crash and Spyro trilogies, but Crash 4 and... I mean, the Tony Hawk remaster, I feel like those, given sort of the time and resources they needed to be as great as they are, I feel like that really showed to Activision that that works. 
you know, they're making shit tons of money off of whatever else they got. They got, what, Blizzard now? Yeah, they're fine. Um, I feel like these they can try not to annualize. You hope. Well, or at least, like, annualize them in the sense that, like, maybe they just consider these as a lump of, like, family-friendly games. So you get a Crash and then a Spyro and then a, you know. <laughs> like, yeah, so each game is given its own time with different teams and resources, but you still get one a year based split between them. I hope so. Um, okay. I feel like if we do get a new unannounced game, it's going to be a spinoff, whether that be another racing game or maybe a remake of Crash Bash or Crash Boom Bash. <laughs> that could be something, but Nobody I don't know. That. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> no, uh, no, it's a remake. No, it could be good, though. I mean, I, I assume that's what this Wampa League thing probably was, right? Like... It was probably some form of party game, if it exists, if it doesn't. I imagine it's just... Because, like, a Crash Bass remake is not something anybody... I don't, I don't think anybody... No, knows. it's not very good. Um, so, so I, I could imagine, like, a spiritual successor. Um, there you go. That's kind of the line I'm thinking. Yeah, for whatever Wampa League is. Again, if it still exists. Um, okay, yeah, interesting. Um... I will probably be buying Crash 4 several more times. <laughs> I will buy it probably at least one more time, and it's probably going to be the Switch version. <laughs> so speaking of 3D platformers, we thought it'd be fun to kind of stop and take stock of the state of 3D platformers in 2021. Um, yeah, this it's looking is a, pretty good. This is a podcast that I'm on, so <laughs> we're talking 3D platformers, <laughs> motherfuckers. Hey, I mean, I'm a huge 3D platformer fan, too, and I mean, if you look at our episode catalog, it seems like a <laughs> good yep. majority of you are That's as what you're well. getting. <laughs> um, um, so, yeah, I just went down a list um, of list of stuff with, that we know about for this year. Um, looks like you've added a few, too. Uh, so we've got Blue Fire. What's this game called? Glyph. Glyph is a... 3D platformer where you play as like the morph ball. I sent you a trailer for it. Oh, but... right, right, right. Yeah, this game. Um, yeah, so Blue Flyer and Glyph are out now as of recording. Uh, Mario 3D World is up next on the list as well. That's also out now. And side note, Blue Fire got pretty good reviews. I really want to play that one. Um, may end up being a future episode. Wink, wink. Because <laughs> um, we need more 3D platformers. Yeah. It, looks, it looks cool, though. Um, yep, Mario 3D World is out tomorrow as of recording. Um, Yesterday as of release. <laughs> Balan Wonderworld, I guess they're going to put that out at some point. <laughs> um, oh, it's, man. it's in March. Um, Crash we 4 both played port- the demo, it's pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. Crash 4 is getting ported, of course, you know, all about that one. Cliven Wrench is a really promising looking indie 3D platformer that I've been looking forward to for years at this point. It's fantastic. Search that game up on Twitter. Uh, the creator posts a lot about it. You get get your information. It looks it looks cool. It's coming to Switch and PC. Of course, Ratchet and Clank, which we talked about earlier. Psychonauts 2 coming out at some point. No date on that yet, but it seems like since Microsoft is publishing that now, they're getting a lot more time to work on it. So, you know, I'm not fretting it too much. Take the time you need. Their last publisher wasn't great, so I was honestly concerned for a while there. <laughs> Um, K.O. the Kangaroo is an interesting one. <laughs> Cause yeah. That is getting a new game, and that is an old PS2 
era, PS1, PS2 era uh, 3D platformer. I learned about them from Nitro Rad. I think that's actually why this remake is happening, by the way. Actually, it's not a remake, is it? It's the fourth. It's a fourth game, which is super cool. Um, so yeah, that's one to keep your eye on. I don't know what the status is of development. They've only put out like, like a couple seconds of footage, but it looks nice. Um, uh, one I want to mention here is the Radventure. I don't know if you've been following oh, this right. one on Twitter. Yes. Um, next week, as of recording, they're, they're going to a convention. I believe there's going to be a demo there, so we should see more of it. Um, no real info on a release date, as far as I'm aware, but definitely one to keep your eye on. Kind of a Rayman-y spiritual successor. Yeah, looks it looks cool. pretty neat. Uh, one I am very excited about, another one I've been looking forward to for a while, uh, Zira Myths Awaken. If you've never heard of this thing, look it up. It is. It started its life as a Spyro fan game. It was called Spyro 4 Myths Awaken. Uh, around Reignited Trilogy, it got cease and desisted. Um, but it's one of those cases where the creator was ready for that and had their own uh, new character, new um, original character that they threw into it. It's got an amazing style. It looks like a PS1 game. Very bright and, fr- bright and colorful in the Spyro vein. It's It looks it looks great. Um, you can actually play it on their itch.io. They have a demo. It plays pretty well. Um, it is a demo. I did run into some glitches when I played it, but like, it's cool. Um, no idea when that'll be out, but it's one to keep your eye on for sure. I'm hoping this year, but who knows. Um... Glover is apparently getting a remaster, which is neat. Or at least a re-release. I believe the the news that I was seeing around it was that it was a studio that primarily buys out old properties that are sort of getting forgotten and then will re-release them or try and make new entries for them. So, hey, I mean, if we get Glover on more than just N64, then... <laughs> yep, Glover's that game where you play as a glove... <laughs> You roll hand, a ball yeah. around. It's a uh, master hand origins. Really interesting thing. Um, but I, yeah, I'd love to see that come back. So we have two on here, and we'll circle back around to them. Um, Sonic and Spyro 4. Um, both question marks on them. But, well, actually, no, let's talk about Sonic now. Is there going to be a Sonic game this year? Oh, man, I don't know. <laughs> Timing wise, it, it works out. It feels right, but they've been firing a lot of their voice actors. <laughs> and it feels like maybe they're rebooting stuff. Yeah, that's so, true. <laughs> I don't know. I I wonder if they're doing that because they are rebooting Sonic Adventure specifically and they're getting those original voice actors. Um, that's a That's a thought. I hope that's the case. I think that's the direction they need to go in. Um, I don't know. It's been four years since Forces, which was the last one. So it's time. Slash but... Mania. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it is time for a new Sonic game, but Sonic Team is... But let's, um... not, let's, not, let's not push them a little bit. <laughs> let's yeah. not pressure them to release something before it's ready. We've seen how that goes. Yeah, hopefully more than, like, what, 20 people are working on this one. <laughs> <laughs> Good lord, Sega, come on. Yeah, I'm I'm not, like, like, it's one of those things where if it happens this year, cool. 
that's good. Uh, if it doesn't, I'm not going to be surprised, you know? Yeah, I would rather it they take their time and really focus on it and then, you know, give us another Forces, which is fine, but, eh. All right, the big one for me, Spyro 4. Um, God, this shit better happen. <laughs> God, we're both just waiting, just waiting for it to come be announced listeners we we have spyro planned for this year we're playing the spyro games we're waiting for this game to be announced so we could light it up with that it is so annoying (laughs) um (laughs) please just announce it already yes um if it's next year that's fine we'll still play spyro this year but like just let us know (laughs) yeah i i so if listeners don't know i am a huge spyro fan i'm obsessed with it it's really important to me um I legitimately had a nightmare about this game one time. <laughs> like, the, it really does matter to me, so I have a lot of stress about, like, is this happening? Please happen. You did it with Crash. Now give me a Spyro. Um, it's why I have a little bit of anxiety over them being like, it's a big year for Crash, because I'm like, oh, please don't just take away Crash from their your, like, Renaissance thing, Activision. <laughs> please. please. let Spyro I... and Tony Hawk also breathe. Um, yeah. Specifically I, Spyro. Please, specifically Spyro. Spyro. I, I will... I will fucking burn it all to the ground for a new Spyro. And I don't just mean Crash Bandicoot. I mean video games. <laughs> I will make that trade. I don't care what you're excited about. I, I Selfishly, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, That's fuck you, Axiom Verge 2. <laughs> Get out of here. Fuck you, Breath of the Wild 2. It's Spyro's time. And y- y'all excited for Mass Effect? Not anymore. Axed. <laughs> it's dead. Spyro's time to shine. Yeah, so I'm definitely hoping um, we're coming up in the time where it'll be feasible for that thing to be announced. So, like, every day I'm, like, checking Twitter, like, okay, happening. Okay, guys. Come on. Give it to me. Um, so, yeah, those, that's the state of the things we know about this year for 3D platforms. And some we don't. Yes. So, aside from Sonic and Spyro, which we think are probable. Plausible. But not confirmed. That is a pretty damn good list. So I ask you, how are you feeling about the state of 3D platformers in 2021? I'm feeling pretty good. There's a lot to look forward to. I think between the indie scene, which has been pretty steadily exciting about excited about 3D platformers, you know, the indie scene likes to keep these old pseudo old trends going. I feel like the sort of first party lineup coming back with some of these big hitters like ratchet and psychonauts and stuff like that bringing these 3d platformers back into mainstream i'm real excited it looks very good yeah i I agree i think that we've had i think that we've been building to this right like i think 2017 was a pretty big year for the genre just in terms of like we got mario odyssey and we got was that was that hat in time or was that year before year before um it was around then um and ukulele right so like that's what it kind of started and i kind of feel like we've built to here where now we've got a pretty good lineup which is super exciting um i will say the one concern i have no new ips coming from larger studios it's all revival stuff which i do think is not great for a healthy like genre you know yeah. The only one on here that is like... new is Balan Wonderworld, which is not great. 
<laughs> yeah, well, well, yeah. I feel like this is the start, though. You know, you said it was ramping up since 2017, just proving that there's still interest in some of these older IPs. Um, you know, ukulele sort of sparked um, interest in that sort of style as well. What was the one that was... Oh, that's a horse of a different color, but that's uh, Mighty Number no. 9, then sparking the interest for Mega Man 11 to come out. I feel like that sort of... That did it in the opposite way. That was, like, insulting. <laughs> a little <laughs> like, bit. Like, we can't have the stand. We can't. Like, ukulele is not the best game in the world, but most people seem to enjoy it. <laughs> no, but it's mainly just, like, proving that there's still interest for this kind of thing, so then the actual IP can come back. Yeah, totally. Regar- disregarding the quality of Mighty Number no. 9. <laughs> yeah, totally. So, but then I feel like that's stage one... Stage two would be where we're at now, where, you know, you get the classic IPs back and they come back with these really great games and you get Crash 4 and hopefully a Spyro 4, but we get more Ratchet and Clank coming back. And um, I feel like the next step would be um, after they sort of bring the old hitters back, that's when the genre sort of takes a foothold and then you get more big name uh, new IPs in the genre. Yeah, I agree. But the classic IPs have to sell well. So, you know, here's hoping. Yeah, totally. Um, I, I thought it might be just interesting. I wrote down just a little bit of a list and you added a little bit to it too. Um, there's not that much left to bring back in terms of this genre. I feel like we're kind of covering all the bases, at least of the major stuff that people have nostalgia for. Um, but stuff that's like MIA that would be cool to see come back... Um, Sly Cooper, obviously, he he kind of had a little bit of one on the PS3, but I feel like that was too early, you know, like like that game didn't sell well, but like it was just like if you'd waited a couple of years, probably would have been more successful. Um, Jack and Dexter, we haven't seen in a very long time. An even longer Banjo Kazooie, I guess that's not true. He had that 360 game. Um, uh, that doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but Conquer hasn't been around in a very long time. Uh, Conquer's, Conquer's Bad Fur Day, of course, from the N64. Um, these decks, too, I wouldn't say are the same caliber, but Blink's the Time Sweeper and Ty, the Tasmanian Tiger, which is getting HD ports. So I guess I guess that one is back. <laughs> Blink's isn't, though. Yeah, poor Blink's. Poor Blink's. Poor Blink's. Um, yeah, is there, anything, is there anything we missed on that list? Like... Those are kind of I mean, the there's ones a lot that, more, like... There's a lot of niche ones that you could sort of think of, like Voodoo Vince and whatnot, but... Yeah, Rocket Robot on Wheels. Like, but, like, in terms of, like, like big deals, like, people would cheer for, I feel like... I feel like we've got a lot of the bases covered, you know? Yeah, I feel like if they announce a new Dr. Muto, it's not going to get that same reaction, you know? Right. Right. There'll just be one. One guy. <laughs> Fuck yeah, new Dr. Muto, let's go. Yeah, so I, I I, think that it just plays into, like, it's pretty good to be a 3D platformer fan right now. Like, it's it's a good time. I'm I'm very happy with it, and I'm very excited about the future of the genre. Um, and I'm, I'm happy to see a lot of these indie devs still, you know, busting out these hard hitters. You know, we get Clive and Wrench and Blue, Flyer, Blue Fire Glyph, um trying to think there's a couple other rad venture stuff like that is still you know KO. playing into that um 
not too long ago, we also got Spark the Electric Jester 2, which is a super cool 3D platformer. You know, I feel like that sort of passion is still coming through on both both fronts. Yeah, totally. Oh, and I forgot um, uh, the new Energizic game, too, um, which I don't think has a proper title yet. <laughs> but that's also coming at some point this year, I think. Um yeah i'm also like really happy to see those old aesthetics come back i feel like for the longest time people really shit on the n64 and playstation one so it's kind of nice to see that like nostalgia peek through um you know with people making stuff like like um you know like zora like i mean like analgesic right those like ps1 style like graphics like it's been really fun to yeah see that. and even that sort of um another one that comes to mind is x zodiac which is pulling from that super fx era yeah like that stuff's that stuff's cool and i'm glad that stuff's not dying out um but yeah if we forgot anything if you want to give us recommendations for video platformers um you know, all hit years us of course yeah um also if you have any thoughts about the show we want to keep doing these um like i said on the off weeks um let us know did you like the what you've been playing section the news section the big topic section um we're open to suggestions of course hit us up we are at safe station pod on twitter connor what's your personal account um i'm at conifer ssr um i already mentioned dustin's twitter uh you could probably find some good dog pics on there (laughs) that's at dustin h dragon every once in a while um yeah um next thing you'll see in the feed will be the shadow of the hedgehog episode (laughs) speaking of 3d platformers yeah that was a lot of fun to you know talk about so uh yeah that'll sort of we're sort of getting towards the end of the sonic marathon so stay tuned for that yep absolutely um and like we said earlier be a good person <laughs> don't be mean to yeah, people be good to each other you know, if you can impart one thing be good to each other and take care bye <laughs>